I bet we could all use some hope in our lives. You know, life in this world can be so frustrating. It can be painful. It can be tiring. You know, we could use some hope. And if that's how you're feeling today, like you're just tired or frustrated or, or just in pain in some way, you're in luck because of all 365 days of the year, today is the day that celebrates the best hope there is. Earlier this morning, we sang about God turning graves into gardens. And sometimes in our lives, we face literal graves as we're considering our own mortality, as we face the death of a loved one. On another level, we've all had times where we have to lay dreams to rest. Perhaps it's dreams of being a sports star who makes that big play in the big game, but that doesn't happen. Perhaps it's a dream of marriage, or a dream of, of the perfect job, or a dream of health till an old age. We have to lay that dream down. We've all had times when hope fades, or even dies. But today we're celebrating the fact that God turns graves into gardens. I invite you to turn in the Bible right now to John chapter 20. John 20, and this is a passage that features a woman named Mary Magdalene. Now, when this Mary met Jesus, she was suffering deeply, pain and shame, but Jesus healed her. He turned her grave into a garden, and this filled her with so much joy and so much, so much love for Jesus that she followed everywhere he went after that. Even at Jesus' crucifixion, when all of his disciples fled, Mary stayed there faithfully with him. But, as you can imagine, her spirit was crushed. Let's pick up the account in John 20, verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And so what this, this first part of the passage shows is that Mary's nightmare took a dark turn when she found the empty tomb. Now, do you ever have a bad dream? And then you wake up in the morning and you realize, oh, it's all just a dream, and it, you know, it feels like such a relief. It's such a nice feeling when you realize, you know, it's just a bad dream. It's not real. That's a good feeling. But there's a different type of experience. For instance, when we're going through a really bad situation in our lives, and we wish we could just go to sleep and then wake up, and then that morning when we wake up, it was just a dream and everything is different. But sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes that bad situation we wish we could escape is still there when we wake up in the morning. It's like we're living a nightmare that we cannot wake up from. And that's what it was like for Mary. The morning came, but her nightmare of Jesus being dead was still right there with her. It's still real. And so early in that morning, she went to a tomb, Jesus' tomb, in order to, to, to treat his body with some special spices and ointments. It was a way to honor Jesus. And probably to help her grieving process as well. And she arrived at his tomb where she knew it was. And she was shocked to discover that Jesus' tomb was empty. 
His body wasn't there. I mean, think about for you, if you go to a cemetery and you're going to visit the grave of a loved one and you get to the grave site and there's a hole in the ground, the casket's gone. You probably would not be celebrating, would you? No, you'd probably be in shock. It would be horrible. You'd be wondering what's going on. This isn't right. For Mary, when she found that tomb empty, she thought someone had stolen Jesus' body. You know, I think earlier about that video from Tabitha about how she said she just kept going from new low to new low to new low. And that's what Mary would have been experiencing as well. For her, the nightmare kept getting worse. She told Jesus' disciples about this empty tomb, but they didn't have any more idea than she did of what was going on. But let's see what happens next, jumping down to verse 11. It says that Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So what this shows us is that a grave experience leaves us in despair, sadness, or even anger. I mean, you look at Mary. Three times in two verses, it describes her weeping. That's a very natural response when you face a significant loss, a grave experience in your life. A grave experience leaves us in sadness, despair, or even anger. Let me show you a photo of the truck I had when I was in college. Now you may be wondering, why in the world are you showing us this? What what does this have to do with sadness or anger? Well, let me tell you. There was a season that it did. Back while I was in college, I transferred uh, to a school up in Minnesota. In my first week in that town, I got pulled over by a police officer and told that a couple items on that truck were illegal in that state and must be removed within 10 days. And I will tell you that I was angry. I was sad. I was resentful toward that officer. And I was in shock because I loved the way that truck looked just like that. I was upset. I was really angry for the sake of headlight covers and a sticker on the windshield. I was in a grave experience. Now we have to recognize that grave experiences come in all shapes and sizes. And just so you know, I have faced much larger grave experiences, much larger difficulties than just that. But the reality is they come in all shapes and sizes. They are losses. They are difficulties. They're things that make us sad, make us angry, maybe even make us despair and lose hope. And the bigger the challenge, the more it can shake us, causing us to lose joy and confidence, causing us to feel weak and vulnerable, scared, helpless. But God can turn graves in the gardens. For Mary, this is exactly what was about to happen. Let's look now to verses 14 through 16 of John 20. It says, Having said this to the angels, Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. He he changed form in some manner, so she didn't recognize him. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, 
and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. So we see here that Jesus has risen. The grave of death and despair became a garden of joy and new life. Now at first, Mary assumed this man was the gardener. In fact, back in that culture, cemeteries were oftentimes used to raise vegetables, to raise fruits that people could, could uh, plant and grow and eat. She assumed that he was a gardener. But then the man says, Mary. And she realizes, this is Jesus. She doesn't know how, but he is risen from the dead. He's alive. And what was happening to Mary was very different than what she could have expected. You know, this is frequently the way it is when we face difficulties in life, when God works turn graves into gardens. It frequently has a different outcome or leads us through a different journey than we could have expected. I mean, Mary certainly did not, did not expect Jesus to die, nor did she expect Jesus to rise from the dead. But he did. Now, there are a couple of questions I want to ask at this point in the story. One question is this. How did we get to the point where Jesus, who is God in human form, ended up in a grave? Here's a second question that's similar. How did we get to the point where we face our own grave experiences, our own difficulties on such a regular basis? And really, the answer to both questions is actually pretty much the same. The root cause of grave experiences goes back to a different garden long ago. The Garden of Eden, when sin entered the world. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 3. You see, God originally designed humanity in a garden. We were in a garden, and it was glorious. But when Adam and Eve sinned, a grave was introduced. After all, the wages of sin is death. And this is why we experience in our world pain and frustration and weariness. This is why our bodies break down and die. This is why we face metaphorical graves on a regular basis. Our world is broken, but, and there's, this is important, but Jesus came to reverse the effects of sin and brokenness. On the cross, he died to pay the penalty for sin. And in his resurrection, he defeated sin, evil, and death. Now here, here's another interesting question. Do you have a favorite word? I imagine most people probably don't have favorite words. But I've realized through the years that I do have a favorite word. You can have it as well if you want. That word is shalom. Shalom. Shalom is a Hebrew word that means wholeness and flourishing. God designed us to live with shalom. Shalom was what they were experiencing in the Garden of Eden until sin entered and shalom was broken by that sin. But even still now, shalom is what we all desire. It's what we all yearn for. And Jesus came to restore shalom, to restore that wholeness and flourishing. That's what his death and resurrection accomplished. And he begins that restoration here and now when we surrender our lives to him. And he will perfect that restoration of fullness of shalom in heaven one day. And that's an important perspective to keep because the reality is 
that our world is still broken. And there are going to be heartaches and hardships that we face in this world that won't be fully resolved in this world, no matter how much we surrender to Jesus. But we do have a God who turns graves into gardens. He will start that work here and now as we surrender to him. He'll complete it in eternity. Now, here is something else that is just crucial for us to understand in God's work turning graves into gardens. It's that God turns graves into gardens by giving us greater dependence and delight in Him. This is a big part of that process. I mean, let's think back to my truck in college. And this is actually the reason why I pointed out a truck on Easter morning. I bet that many of you thought that I was overreacting back then. And in many ways, I was. But what was happening, the reason why I had such a big reaction, is that that police officer, without knowing it, revealed one of my idols. I didn't even know it at the time. But my reaction showed that. It was an idol. An idol is anything that we look to more than God for our source of identity or our source of worth or our source of security. And for me, when, when I had to change some aspects of my truck against my will, he revealed an idol. Because I looked to that truck for a significant source and sense of my identity and my worth in life. Because I thought my truck is special, therefore that makes me special. But that was idolatry. Even though I was a follower of Christ at that point, I still was looking to this other thing like a truck or other things in life for that worth and identity more than I was looking to God. And that experience again revealed the idol, a surefire sign that something is an idol is when we have a disproportionate level of anger when that thing is threatened. And so for me, that grave experience led to a garden because it forced me to identify and then release that idol. I mean, I kept the truck for another dozen years, but actually quite quickly, my perspective on that truck changed as I realized this truck can be a great way to serve others, but my worship needs to be in God alone. God turns graves into gardens by giving us greater dependence and delight in Him. And this is crucial to understand if we want to experience the wholeness and flourishing of shalom. As I said earlier, I mean, we all yearn for shalom, but we aren't going to get it if our lives are not centered on God. Trying to get shalom, that wholeness and flourishing we want, without surrendering to God... It's kind of like getting, trying to get our vehicle to run by, getting, by putting coffee in the gas tank. I mean, you may think your body runs on coffee. I think some people live that way. But vehicles definitely do not. And if we try to flourish by filling our lives with stuff besides God and leaving God on the sidelines, it's not going to work very well. God wants to work even through our hardships to draw us closer to Him. I mean, I think of what God's doing in Tabitha Sargent's life. I mean, she has faced some huge challenges, even more than what were revealed in that video. I think of, you know, she shared as well on top of that that we didn't include in this video just how a couple of years ago her brother died of pancreatic cancer. I mean, she's faced a lot. But she also can testify to how God is working in her life. I think of how Tabitha is really full of, of hope and even joy. Because of the new level of love she's experienced from her brothers and sisters in Christ, and especially from God. 
She's experienced a new level of peace because she's finally surrendered to God. And she's finding great joy as she ministers to other people in their grave experiences and their hardships and helps point them to Christ and to the wholeness He can create. This is giving her hope and new life. It's not the life that she planned. As she said, she's kind of given up on, on planning her future. But she finds joy and peace in that because she surrendered to God. And this is important. This is a part of God turning our graves in the gardens because the more that we try to hold on to control ourselves, especially when we face hardships, the harder those grave experiences are going to be. You know, in terms of God turning graves in the gardens, sometimes he, he improves our circumstances. And many times when you look over the course of time, that is what happens. Not always in the way that we expect, or sometimes exactly what we're hoping for. But always, even more than changing our circumstances, he wants to change us as we walk through those challenges, as we surrender to him. Now maybe you came in here today frustrated, maybe dealing with some sort of pain, maybe just weary. Now, I don't expect that our one hour together here this morning is going to just transform all that completely. That's not realistic. Many times these things take time. But at the same time, I do hope that our time together has pointed us all to the one who will never leave us and never forsake us. To the one who died and rose again to give us new life with God. And that our time together this morning is pointing us to the one who can give us hope and redemption, even in the midst of very challenging circumstances. You know, let's trust in him. Because just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he wants to redeem and renew us, even in the midst of the challenges that we face in our lives. Because we have a God who turns graves into gardens. Let's pray. Our God, it is good to celebrate today. We all face challenges. I know that we've all had things even in the last week, maybe even the last 24 hours, even this morning perhaps, that have not gone the way that we wanted. There were things that have caused, caused us great heartache. There were wounds and scars that we carry through life. Lord, we look at the world around us, and there is much that is so different than what we desire, much that is different than what we think you would desire, Lord. Our nation is broken. Our world is broken. Our society is broken. But Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that you came to bring about a redemption and a resurrection. You came to turn graves and guards a process that started 2,000 years ago, a process that will be completed in eternity. And Lord, I pray that you'll keep our eyes focused on you that as we face hardships and trials that those will be a catalyst to turn us to you in spirit and in truth, to depend on you, to trust in you, to surrender to you. Lord, please help us to, to remember to turn to you in those trials. And I pray that we will find hope and joy in you, and that we will give you the glory as we see your work in us and through us. Lord, I pray that now as we bring back to you a portion of the resources that you've entrusted to us through this offering, that you will use these resources to increase our trust in you and to help more people around our community and around the world through our missionaries, Lord. Find the hope that's available only through Jesus, the hope of shalom 
fullness, of vitality, of flourishing that we all yearn for. And Jesus, you came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. So help us, Lord, to trust you and to follow you, for you are worthy. We thank you, Lord, for the hope that you give. We pray these things in your name.